Hi, it's Lou. You know, the good-looking one with a full head of lush hair? I'm taking a break from filling DM Scott's shampoo bottle with Nair. To tell you about our new website, thedungeonmastersdojo.com. There, you'll find a host of awesome things, including a picture of me. Every third Friday of the month, a new blog post related to gaming comes out. Interested in getting caught up on the podcast episodes? You'll find those on the website, too, as well as other interesting information. Head on over to thedungeonmastersdojo.com and pay us a visit. Send us a message, too. We'd love to hear from you. Now, if you excuse me, I have to take the batteries out of DM Bill's hearing aid. See you next time in the dojo. Hey there, it's DM Scott. That's right, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you, the chubby guy wearing the This Is How I Roll t-shirt. Why don't you ditch that ratty old t-shirt that's two sizes too small for you? Where'd you get that? Baby Gap? Head on over to our Merchant Morris store on our epic new website. Grab yourself some Dungeon Masters Dojo logo wear. You won't regret it. Rock that t-shirt like the nerd boss you are. It's sleek and it's black, and everyone knows that black is slimming. Hell, I look like a slender 3XL when I'm wearing this black shirt. Not only will you look deceptively less chunky, but with that bold red and white logo, you'll look like a superhero. And who doesn't want to look like a superhero? So head on over to the DungeonMastersDojo.com merchant more to fill your bag with our swag. See you next time in the dojo. I don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. Hanging on the promises and songs of yesterday. And I've made up my mind. I ain't wasting nor a time. Here I go again. Here I go again. It's splitting the party. Five reasons why you shouldn't this week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Scott and Bill. You. I don't do it as well as you guys do. <laughs> Our uh, our poor attempt at shattering is <laughs> still far better than our singing ever would be. Oh yeah, um, yeah. My, it, my singing can instantly sterilize any small woodland animal ten pounds or less. Well, while you guys do this episode, I'm gonna go this way and do something over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, splitting the party—that's been kind of the D and D theme. You never split the party. You never ever split the party. It's just bad, but why? Bad things why happen. Bad, bad yeah. things happen. Well, bad things can happen. And oftentimes they, they sure do. as shit are going to happen on my table. Yeah. Because I see it as an opportunity for me to torment someone that's 35 feet off the, the side of the road. In a white dress. In a white dress. That can't be seen because they're 35 feet away, not 30. 
And Tom is a beautiful person, but I don't know if a white dress is the right attire for him. Maybe something in a mauve. mauve but a, definitely. Or or an evening gown. Either way, thirty five feet off thirty five feet off the uh the pathway, you are still gonna be seen. Far too close, especially <laughs> if especially if you're Tom wearing a white dress. <laughs> you need to go at least a hundred yards into the woods. Yeah, that's it. And wear something green or camouflage. <laughs> we love you, Tom. All right. Talking points on why. Yeah. Why you should should not. you not split the party? What is the worst that could happen? Yeah, what could happen? Um, how about uh I could be all alone. You certainly uh, you, could. Yeah, you probably will be. Um and aside from your morning constitutional, uh you're probably gonna die. Well, at least the opportunity, the chances of you uh, perishing are going to increase quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. The chances of character death increases by a lot. Right, and why? Right, maybe you have that encounter ready off in the woods or off in another corridor in the dungeon, and it's it's set up for a party of five or six, and then here comes the lone wolf. Yep. Right, we're splitting up. The contrarian. Yes, I'm going my own way. You but know? why? Because yeah. it's what my character would do. And you run smack dab into the uh, ogres, the party of seven or eight ogres that was supposed to be an encounter for the entire adventuring party. And now, whoops, even if you're not by yourself, right? If there's two or three other people, if half of the party goes one way, the other half of the party goes the other, yep. you're running into encounters that are meant for an entire party. And mm-hmm. that could be really lethal. You may not even be the the impetus of why this encounter started. Well, I'm going to head off by myself. Great, head off by yourself. Um, it's a bad idea. Yeah. But, and then the party does something like set off something loud or an explosion or a mock combat or we're going to spar. Well, sparring sounds an awful lot like combat from a distance. Just because you don't want to hit and hurt them doesn't mean the people who are hearing it goes, hey, look, there's combat. Let's go hit and hurt them. And you happen to be between point A and point B. So now here comes your band of orcs marching along and, you know, thinking they're creeping up on the party. And lo and behold, they stumble upon you. Yeah. Doing whatever dumbass thing you were going to do by yourself. Dangerous. Very. And we talk about, we talk about uh, you know, scaling encounters a lot. But in this case, I don't know how you feel, Bill. I would not scale the encounter, right? If you split up and you you did so, you know, and it's poor planning, which which it is, mm-hmm. then you are encountering that encounter that is intended for the entire party. Now, if it's a one-off, every once in a while someone picks something up that they want to identify it or look it over, and they don't want to do it in front of the party. And this is not someone who doesn't do this on a regular basis. I might give them a little leeway, give them a little time to fathom, and then maybe all right, roll your perception. All right, you hear conversation. You don't understand the language. And there's more than one. There's more than three. And you're by yourself. Give him a chance to get back to the party, but put these things on their he- on his heels. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to go right back and, and award everyone. Everyone's going to have time to prep for him because that, that is contrary to probably to what you have in, you know, set up for your encounter. Give him that, that small window 
of opportunity to get their ass back out, you know, to the party. But if this is someone who does it on a regular basis, I think you know damn well what I'd do. Yep. I think all of y'all would have a pretty good, after this (laughs) amount of time, you all know it ain't going to be pretty. (laughs) There's going to be some burials around. Yeah. And this, um, you know, there's a good way to do it. And there's a poor way to do it. And today we're talking about the poor ways of splitting this, a party and why ways. it's a bad idea. And if you're, if you're a new GM, you know, really discourage that because it's hard to manage because now essentially you're, you're running, you're running two tables and, and without getting into a lot of details yet about it. But if you're brand new, just, and, and players, if you got a brand new GM who probably had the role thrust upon them by the rest of you, because you didn't want to do it yeah because you didn't want to do it be kind and stay together so you're not making problems for your new gm and this will cause definite problems for a gm especially if he's not ready for this like you said right this could just you make you can you can break your gm because he's not ready for this and especially if he doesn't know how to scale um if it's you know these one-off by accidents or i didn't know but if like bill said if somebody's doing this on the regular and like i'm gonna go over here and i'm gonna i'm going to scout without telling my party because I want to see what's ahead because I want that information for myself. Yeah, I could see somebody getting you know, yeah, walked you, upon by those ogres. Yep, and you yeah. get it all by yourself just the way you wanted it. Careful what you ask for. Yeah, and then, you know, your party may make it just in time to watch you get... Eviscerated. Yeah, pretty much processed. I, I like that word, eviscerated. You know, hung up and quartered and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, thrown in bags and the whatnot for, for later. So be... Uh, be aware of that. You know, and this is this is not just for DMs either. It's for players. Yeah. yeah. Right? So the players out there understand that there's there's risk to doing so. When you split the party, be it through strife or your lone wolf in it, um, understand that there's the very real potential that you could die. And don't be upset. You brought it upon yourself. Yeah. Or just remember, you're not in the game for a while because – you're off on your own doing something. You're going to be my second table all by yourself for X amount yeah. of time. Well, this is- th- that was going <clears> to <throat> excuse me. That was going to take us to the second point. You're making more work for your DM, yeah. and as the DM, I would, I would cater to the largest portion. So I'm going to make sure that the other four or five people have their turn, and then you're by yourself. And it's like, well, I want to. I'll get back to you in a moment. I'll get back to you. Well, well, I'll get back to you. And I know you guys have seen me do this. Yeah, and that's why I said and, that. And it's like, no, I'll get, you You want to be by yourself? Well, you're by yourself. I'll get to you in a moment. And I will purposely make them wait a little longer before I get back to them and then encourage them to get back. And if they don't, well, then, you know, all bets are off. And, the, you know, the, the mean side of, of the sugary coating that is, you know, DM Bill will come out. And uh, you, you're probably going to end up rolling up another character. I wasn't aware that there was a sugar coating. I mean, when did this thing happen? I've it, known it, you like it 30 did. years. It, it's always a nice spin on it. Don't, don't it, believe them. It's the same shit they dust the Sour Patch Kids with. That ain't sweet. <laughs> well, it's granulated. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's grainy, all right. But to Bill's point, you know, I guess what, at least in my mind, you know, all, let's say the six of us here and somebody goes off by themselves, I have five other people to contend with. Yep. They all have a certain amount of time. So let's hypothetically, I'm just going to throw numbers out. I give everybody five minutes to do whatever they're doing. It's not going to be that long. I'm just throwing numbers out there. So I have to go through all five of the other guys. 
Now, when I get back to him, he still has only that same amount of limited time. Mm-hmm. So if he's not, if he can't tell me what he's doing and everything done in that completed time, that's all the time you get. I got to move on to you the other people. On. And and you know those lone wolves are off there because they want the, the spotlight and they're going to try to hang on to it for as long as they can. Yeah. yeah. And and that's number one. You're you're making your game master work two tables. It is. It's more work for your game master. It's right. You're, yeah, you're don't do that. No, yeah. I I remember especially like we said being a new GM and I compare like I've been mostly a player for my hundred of years or however long I've been playing. <laughs> but I the last session we did we were all doing the the we were all taking turns and rotating through. Yep. And then Andrew went off by himself when everybody was else decided to keep. I have to actually contend with them first, give Andrew a couple minutes, come back to you guys. So Andrew's sitting there twirling his thumbs. Instead of doing what Bill would have did, I actually kind of forced him back into coming into the group. But if it wasn't for that, he would have been outside pretty much the whole campaign. Right. Or, you know, that adventure. It wasn't a campaign. It was a one-night, one-shot. But for me, that was like, how do I handle this? So I just had to, you know, think, okay, this is what Bill would do. Okay, I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to do what Bill does. (laughs) I'm going to... <laughs> I'm playing chess now with Andrew in my limited amount of time to get him back to go inside with everybody else. It took a little bit of uh, coaxing, but it was undue stress that I didn't need. Yeah, and, and it and it is. It's you and Bill said this year, or you said it. You're running two tables, right? You come into the game going, "I'm going to run this table. I'm going. I have my adventure prepared for the evening." And then someone, you know, someone goes off and does their own thing, or, or a couple of people go off and do their own thing. And now, now you're running two tables or three tables um, simultaneously at the same time, right? So you're gonna, now you're dividing up all your time and your your energy. It's not hard for me to manage that, and, and that's not because I'm like a stellar GM. It's just because I'm more practiced, right? But if you're not, then it's it's hard to it's hard to manage that. But then again, you know, there's 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 a potential for bad things. Well, and, and a lot of times too, that person who roams off will coax someone to go along with them. Yeah. So now you got four people on one side, two on the other. You're running, you know. And if if the encounter they're getting into sounds real cool and it, it seems to be going along, the table is interested. But in a fairly short period of time, those other four people are going to start getting bored, yep. watching what you're doing, and not doing anything themselves. And and that's why I think it's really important. And it's been said before that you focus your energy on the larger group. Yes. Because I'd rather have one person bored than five or two person bored, people bored than, um, you know, four or whatever have you. It can even go worse than that. Like Bill said, you know, you got these two over here and they're enjoying themselves. But yeah. now, and now you're not prepared for this. Now you got these four here. And now let's say they're bored while they decide to go in a different direction. Something else you're not prepared for. Yeah, or or the direction they decide to go in has nothing to do with the game, right? Exactly. Someone goes out mm-hmm. and has a cigarette, or the cell phones come out, or you have, like, table talk uh, going on. You've lost your momentum in the campaign. Well, the interest is gone. Yeah. For mm-hmm. the larger portion of the table. And that'll that'll kill, once that interest and that momentum is gone, that's going to that's gonna kill your game session. You're going to have a substandard game session if you're not able to kind of bring them bring them back around your players are going to get to know you right your players are going to get to know like okay well bill will probably kill me (laughs) um so maybe i'll just stick around with the rest of the group there's safety in numbers you know that's the old adage safety in numbers right tough love 
yeah, but it and it's not a punishment. It's these are you know this is the situation you've put yourself in. You know, there's a sense of mortality. I know five five e doesn't have a lot of mortality to it. Not like not like the earlier editions where you know ten minutes into your into your adventure in your new campaign you know, your, your wizard or your, your magic user, as they were called back in those days yep. was, was hit with a rock. <laughs> and since he only had two hit points, now he's dead and you're back to the drawing board, you know, jiggling dice in your hands. Um, but there is a sense of mortality to it, you know, and there's, 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 there's penalties, not as punishment, but the circumstances are what they are. Right. Um, but boredom is the worst thing that could happen to your table. Yeah, it, it it kills the the gameplay. It kills the momentum. It could kill your table. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, because then, you know, then you start getting, uh, you know, yeah, I, I I come here every, you know, in our case, Monday nights. Every Monday nights, you know, sit, sit down, have a, have a good four hours of decompression from life in general, and here's so and so running off doing their own thing, and now I'm sitting here on my cell phone watching YouTube videos when I'm really here to play. But now, you know, now the GM's focusing on this person. And he's Again. Come back. Yeah, he's going to come back to us any minute now. But now, I, you know, I'm so into my text messages or my cigarette or the argument with, you know, the wife or girlfriend, hopefully not both. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm now, my immersion's gone. I'm now drawn right out of the table and back into the back into the real world that I'm trying to escape from with my, you know, every Monday night therapy session. <laughs> and that and that sucks. So boredom is horrible. Yeah. Um then you get into the gameplay itself. The assimilation of knowledge. You have one group in now if you've designed your encounter to have the half the party go down left and half the party go down right you're prepared for this yeah you know this is what you anticipated you're you're ready for it you already had you know you, you know you got your time management ahead of you but it's it's clips back and forth clips back and forth that's fine if they do it unannounced now you have half the group gaining knowledge and or items information people and the other half doesn't have it how do you in gameplay you can't just metagame and say, well, yeah, no, you know they have it. Yeah. And they got to come back and then waste all the time saying, this is what we yep. found. And, and it's basically a reintroduction of everything you just did. Right. And and now you're back to that boredom thing, right? Mm-hmm. It, well, it's excess time. It's wasted time. It is. And wasted time is the clock is ticking. If you have a three-hour game session between 7 and 11 or 7 and 10, my math was off, you uh, – You've taken 15 minutes away because, again, for the third time, you've had to re-explain everything to the yeah, other if half. If you're lucky, it's only 15 right. minutes. And so there's 15, 20 minutes off of that three, four-hour gameplay that you've lost. And you're not going to regain it. So the assimilation of, of information all by itself in-game becomes more difficult because it has to be explained twice, whether it's by you or by the party. To the other half of the party. No, they were sitting right there, but if it's not told... Old school Bill says, you can't use that information. You don't know right. about it. And even if you don't keep track of it, I can guarantee you I am. Who knows and who doesn't? And that it uh, it kills the pacing too, right? Yes. The, the key to um, to a good, a good adventure 
right? And a, and a and a good gaming session is the pace that's that's kind of set by the GM and and the players at the table. So when you you got the split party and each side has different sets of information and they're coming back together and they're relaying information from one half to the other. It slows the pacing down. Yes. And then everything kind of um, screeches to a halt and you get derailed. Well, even with, I think even worse than screeching to a halt is the grinding slow pace the constant anticipation that I finally get a chance to say or do something is more grating on me than nothing happening at all. Yeah. I think the slow pace for me as a player would be worse than, all right, well, at least and during slow play, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm listening, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'm still freaking waiting. When it comes to a stop, screw that. I get out my phone and I'm checking shit. Um, I'm, I'm no longer part of it. Yeah, that's bad. But as a player, I find it more grating on my nerves to be constantly waiting for that other shoe to drop my, finally get my turn because the pace has become so slow and I become aggravated quicker than if I'm not part of it at all. Yeah, it's like being on a high on the highway in, in slow traffic. Slow traffic, yep. And you're just, you're agitated. You're pissed off the whole time. You're moving still. Yeah. And you know, but you know, there's nothing you can do about it at that moment. And yep. it's that frustration level. And it's, it's that's far worse than is being worse at a dead stop. Than dead, a dead stop. Yeah. And that's, that's when you start, well, you know, when you're at that stop, you start losing player interest, right? That boredom sets in. But when you're at that slow moving pace, it's even worse than the boredom because now people are getting pissed. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, like, to, to lose point, now the other half of the table goes, well, if there's going to do that, well, I'm going to go do this. Yeah. I know the road's going this way, and I know there's no path on the right-hand side. But you know something? We're going to march off in the woods and see what we can find. It's woods. Yep. But we're going to head that way anyways. Great. Yeah, so now it's, now i got to come up with a bunch of stuff on the fly. Yeah. Or I have to rearrange the, you know, the encounters a little bit. Um, it could be it could be a huge huge hassle um, for everybody. Yes. So then we move on to the next point, which I think we've kind of touched on here and there. Game master, don't be confused. If one of your characters or your player characters runs off on their own on a regular basis, all right, this is someone who does it all the time. Every other game session, every game session, but th- you this player is known for taking their character. And off they go. This is not a split party. This is someone who doesn't want to play a cooperative game. Or doesn't understand what a cooperative gameplay is. Now, we pick on Andrew for peeling off on the party a lot. It's not that Andrew doesn't want to be part of a cooperative gameplay. He's not, at that time, earlier on, wasn't familiar with what a cooperative gameplay was. So he's trying to, you know, do something constructive, but doesn't know how to do it with the group, so he's going to do it on his own. I kind of blame um, video games for this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Even though a lot of games are multiplayer, a lot of guys are going off on their own, and if we're playing, hypothetically, Baldur's Gate or whatever, all three of us are playing, we're doing something, and I see you guys doing I'm going to go run off and go check those rooms. It's not a. It is a cooperative game, but it's not. Yes. And this is what a lot of people are getting used to. I can go do this. I've seen people come to a D and D table, 
and bring that video game mentality into our game session. And while everybody's doing something, they're off going around checking everything else because that's what they're used to. So that's where a lot of this comes from. And we just have to, again, this is a session zero. You know, this is, that's not even session zero because this is something that's going to be unexpected. You need to sit down with that person and say, this is not a video game. This is not an MMO. This is a tabletop RPG. And these are, the rules are different. They're the same in a lot of senses of being cooperative, but when you go off on your own, that makes a lot of more work for me. The video game handles it all on its own. The yep. video game doesn't have to think about that. The GM's like, now what do I do? Especially if it's a new GM, and that's what we're trying to avoid. Well, the the video game cooperative is I'm with a group. As far as I'm concerned, like I said, I don't play online games. I, there's no attraction there for me. As I see it from the outside, their definition of cooperative play is I'm with a group. That's it. It ends there. Where cooperative play in tabletop RPGs is I have my character, but my character becomes stronger and better working off the abilities or disadvantages of my fellow players. Other player characters have strengths and weaknesses just like me. And if my strength is better than their weakness, then great. I have something that I can bolster. And that's where the cooperative part comes in, where you work with the strengths and weaknesses of the people on the table. You're not just there as part of the group. You're there with the group. You are the group. And you need to bolster their weaknesses, and they need to bolster yours. And that's where cooperative gameplay comes with you know TTRPGs, as opposed to like so the video games where cooperative means I'm with a group. And I can head off by myself, but hey, I'm still with the group. You know, that, that, that's how I see it from my point of view. Yeah, it's it's um it, it is kind of like a video gaming mentality and and now now you see that a lot more than you did in the past. In the past when when someone did that, it was usually well, you know, my 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 character's a lone wolf, you know, he's like like Wolverine or the Punisher and you know, I'm off doing doing my own thing, you know, I don't I don't need a partner and that's like okay. But you know, you don't have an adamantium skeleton and you don't have a team of writers writing your story. So you have, you have, you have me and the ogres that you just encountered <laughs> and, and this is going to be going to be a bad thing. Um, and your batarang is not going to help you here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and sometimes it's just someone that is kind of disruptive by nature. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just not a good fit for, for your table or your GMing style, or maybe that personality is just not, a good fit for for the game itself, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's okay too. You know, you got to have these 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 conversations. It's not working out, dude. You know, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I don't think this is the right game for you. Maybe it's not the right table. Maybe it's not the right group. But you know, I'm I'm happy you tried it. But and, it, and we've run into that ourselves. Yep. Bill said it earlier. It really happens more often with inexperienced players. Yes. Um, like I was the small game for my daughter and. She, and her friends, and they didn't know any better, and they were all split. I'm like, okay, I had to explain to them what the habit, what they needed to, why they needed to stay together, that they just can't go off on their own. This is their first time playing. They were like, oh, I did not realize that. We were used to the video games that they play. So, But it's really the inexperienced players that are first coming into the game that really don't know. So we need to guide them 
We do because yeah. that's very different than being like just disruptive yes. or being the wrong fit for a group or a game. You know, you got to give the young, the young or inexperienced players an opportunity to kind of learn the ropes a little bit and and have those conversations with them and coach them up. So and if, that if you're not, shame on you. It, absolutely, yes. You know, and and if you have if you have a a, a group of experienced players and you're introducing a couple new players or inexperienced players, someone that doesn't have that level of experience, not just the GM, but I think it's our responsibility as like a gaming community to kind of coach up these players. The stuff I use is mentoring. Yeah. I don't know if this is where you're going with it, but I uh, yeah. I, I often will ask one of my experienced players to sit next to the inexperienced player and say, listen, you know, do me a favor coach them and aside from me you're the only other voice they should be listening to because you know they're going to get information you know they're going to get uh, suggestions good bad and ugly from everyone on the table and you tell your inexperienced player listen you're going to sit alongside so-and-so all right and okay you know whatever ben tells you that you know that's probably the way you're going to want to go all right so i'm sitting next to ben and Ben's going to kind of be your coach. And the only other person that can override what he says is me. Ignore what everyone else says. Some of them may sound good. Some of them might sound bad. And if they sound good, let, let it go through Ben first. But Ben's your coach. Yeah, he's your preceptor. Yep. He's, he's, he's your field training officer in, <laughs> in the D&D world. And, yep. that's, and, and be willing to do that, folks. You know, because if, if, if we gatekeep and drive off all these new new players or inexperienced players by just being jerks, you know, you're, you're doing D and D wrong and stuff like that. Then when we, when we go and we're no longer like gaming, I'll miss you guys. You know, the, um, we'll miss you too, Bill. <laughs> the, uh, where, where are you going to, where's, where's the hobby going to be? Right. We've, yep. we've closed the doors to new people or we've, you know, because either we haven't allowed them in when they knocked or we drove them back out, which is which is terrible. Awesome point. That's how you kill a hobby. Yes, right? um, it doesn't. Every hobby has to have new, and usually younger. It could be the octogenarians club. You have to be at least eighty years to get in. Now, almost everyone's ninety and a hundred. Let's face it. Aside from me, you're not living much longer than that. If you don't keep getting eighty-year-old people in, it literally dies off. Yeah, and that'll happen with a hobby, real, real quick. Especially, like I said, if you gatekeep, so you don't mentor these people. You know, say it doesn't. There, there is no right or wrong way. Well, there's lots of wrong ways, but there's no truly right way. There's always going to be a table or a gameplay style or someone that appreciates how you go about things. If you find those people, great. When you can find like-minded people and and or open-minded people that are willing to take you in, and all right, we can work around that. We can do that, so let's let's do that. But you know, there's going to be a few things to help guide you, and let's use that mentoring system. Use a coach. That's probably one of the best ways to get around this. Because let's face it, when you split the party, bad things are going to happen, whether it's by accident, by random roll, or you get a mean, rotten bastard like me who's looking for that person to go off by themselves on a regular basis, and I will make an example of you. Don't split the party. I'm back. What did we say? <laughs> Roll saving throw. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> what, what the, were you guys around the old adage when I, I tell you never park your character in a yellow zone? Yep. The yellow zone was a bad place to be. Yeah. But that's another episode. That's another episode. But yeah, don't, don't park your character in the yellow zone. Bad things happen. And that's splitting the party. Part one, why you should not do it. We'll see you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.